Isn't it good to know that no matter what we might face in this life, no matter what heartbreak, no matter what sadness, no matter what challenges that we face personally or that we see we're facing as a people throughout the world, it's good to know that God is, is all-powerful, that God is at work, and that God's work cannot be stopped. That's so important for us to remember. You know, this, this past week, our, our hearts were broken. I know I was just so sad to see some of those images of what was taking place in Afghanistan, and, and uh, we need to be praying about that. We need to pray for those that are there that are trying to get out, that they can, can somehow get out. We need to pray for guidance and protection for Christians in that part of the world that they can live out their faith boldly and that they'll be protected. You know, we, we all face challenges, and sometimes the challenges we face are so minor compared to the challenges throughout the world. Our hearts have also been moved by the, the heartbreak of, of the earthquake in Haiti and seeing the devastation. And for those of us who've been to Haiti, um, you all know just how poor those people are already. And then when you see more challenge, more tragedy, just it's, it's heartbreaking. Here at Southwest, as, as most of you know that regularly attend here, and if you don't regularly attend here, uh, it's good for you to know that 10% of what's given here on the weekends goes back out to mission. This month, we had committed to giving uh, 10% of what comes in toward uh, helping uh, Kindness Backpacks, to, which is a, a local ministry started by our own Allison Dunaway to meet needs in in children, in local schools that are of need. And so, not only did we do a great job collecting uh, supplies, I just want to thank you. It was just so encouraging to see how many supplies were collected for the children there. But we're giving 10% of what's given in the month of August toward Kindness Backpacks, just so that they can provide food uh, for children that are food challenged here locally. And I'm grateful that we could play a part of that. But, you know, we'd already committed to 10% giving in August. We'd already made a commitment for our September giving. But our leadership team said, you know, hey, there's a need for Haiti. And Lifeline, one of our mission parties partners, is there in Haiti. And so next week, we're going to do something we've not done before, but we're going to give 20% of what comes in next weekend back out to mission. 10% will go to Kindness Backpacks as we planned, but another 10% will go toward the mission work in Haiti with Lifeline Christian Mission. And so uh, we, just, we just think we've been blessed so much here that we need to step up and meet some needs. And so I just want to encourage you to be praying about that, be praying for the work that's being done both locally and nationally as we try to share the good news of Christ and God's love with as many people as possible. And uh, let's pray that even our giving this week and next week will make a significant difference in needs here locally and throughout the world. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you're a, you're a great God, that nothing can stop you, that you're all-powerful, 
And Father, we look to you and we put our hope and our confidence in you. And we give you praise for just the confidence we can have and the joy we can have even in the midst of of sadness and tragedy in our world. And Father, there's a lot going on in our world and you invite us to pray about those things, asking you to work. And so we do ask, Father, we ask that you'll be at work in the situation in Afghanistan. We pray that you'll guide our leaders and guide our, our uh, military leaders and, and protect our military service uh, individuals that are there in that country. We pray for the people of Afghanistan to be protected from, from um, tyranny. We pray, Father, for those that can get out. We pray for that opportunity for them. We pray for the Christians in that country that they will truly uh, stand firm in their faith in you and, and just really allow you to work through them, to, to share hope in the in midst of darkness. And so we just pray for that situation, lifting it up to you. Father, our hearts break to see what's happened in Haiti of people that are so poor already and and to see the the the, the loss of life to see the the wreckage of homes and uh, the infrastructure there that was already so so fragile but we just pray father that you'll be with the work of missionaries there uh, and the churches that there are in Haiti we pray father for lifeline christian mission our partner that you'll work through them and that we can send resources to them at the end of this month that will make a real difference uh, to meet needs there in Haiti. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to partner with Kindness Backpacks to make a difference of children here locally. And we do pray for our children. That you, We pray that you'll protect them from, from uh, the sadness of poverty, but also locally, but also for uh, this COVID uh, virus that's still there. We pray for protection for our children and for those that are most vulnerable. And we just continue to ask you to be at work and remove this virus from this planet so that uh, just your work can go forward without any, any uh, restraint. And Father, give us wisdom as, as leaders of the church here that we can make wise steps every step of the way as we just navigate a terrain that we've never been down before. So just continue to guide us, lead us as a church, and direct us into the future. We pray, Father, for our message today that it really will speak to the hearts of the people that are gathered here and help us all grow from our time together. Father, we lift all this up to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Where's my potato chips? Oh, we're not having chips tonight, Munchkin. Sorry. I want my chips. Lita, Lizzie, Pete and I worked really hard on this dinner, and there's lots of yummy food for you to eat. No! Hey! Lita! Vete a tu cuarto! I'm just trying to help you. I'm not yelling. I'm sorry. I am. Just then I was. But it's, look. Lita, don't do what Lizzie just said. What, what did you say? Cuatro. Go to your bedroom. No, go cuatro to bedroom, means go to bathroom, quart, go to... like quart of milk, right? She said, okay. you, you're not going to have yeah. potato chip, but you will drink that milk. In any case, we have this. It's fine. Okay. Fine. Okay. Let's try some of this meatloaf, okay? No! Hey. I want my chips! not having chips! Yeah, I don't think she's getting on board with the plan, no. honey. You sure you don't want to just give her some chips? No, we're not giving her chips. We're just going to eat. Lita, stay right there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. Don't cry. Relax. Watch your feet, okay? Brace me. You give those to me. Give me. Calm down. Don't cry. I'll get it. Just stay there, Mark. These are really, really good potatoes. What's that noise? Why is she growling? That wasn't in the classes. I got nothing for that. She's got a knife? It's just a sponge pot. It's knife. still a knife. Just put the knife down, honey. Look here, just put down the weapon, okay? You guys want me to deal with this, or do you still got it? Yeah, do you want to let her jump in here now, please? Okay, okay, fine, fine. Gracias. No, you gotta learn some Spanish. Why would you give a kid milk in a glass cup? I'm sorry, I didn't... Why did she do that? I hate her! <clears throat> well, can you relate? I didn't know ketchup was a fire retardant. I didn't know that. But if you can relate to this scene at all, whether it be on a regular basis or a sporadic basis, then we have a message for you today. My prayer has been that this morning that we will provide real encouragement and practical direction for those of you who are parents in the audience or for those of you who will be parents someday. You see, everyone here today is either a child of parents, obviously, or a parent figure, or you're a parent yourself. Parenting is one of the special joys of life, and yet it's bless, a blessing which comes with challenges. As many of us found out on our first trip home from the hospital with that little bundle of joy, our first child, and then we found out that those caring, wonderful nurses in the hospital didn't go home with us. And they didn't send any instructions. And we find ourselves trying to make sense of how to be a parent. And with each new child, and by the way, I had a child who was a screamer like the one in the, in the clip. And each stage of our child's development, we face new challenges. And sometimes we wonder if we're simply running the zoo which is the title of our message today. Of course, the past 18 months have brought new challenges with parents and kids at times working and learning from home. Now we're re-entering the work setting or school schedules with ongoing challenges and adjustments. In my hunch, there might be more adjustments along the way. And with all these adjustments and transitions, it's created at times more stress, more tension, and at times we have to acknowledge even chaos. Today, as always, we're going to go to God's written word, the Bible. We're going to go there to find direction. And yet, recognize that what we're talking about is a, is a 
difficult, challenging area of life, the responsibility of being a parent. Last week, we looked at some of the challenges of the marriage relationships and how that living in close quarters can create new challenges. And we found biblical direction in a particular text, a number of texts, one in Colossians and one in Ephesians. And we're going to continue in that one book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians that we did last week. And as we keep reading in that same section we read last week, we'll find direction for parenting. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you might want to follow along. In Ephesians 6, we find the following words addressing both children and parents. It begins with this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's sound advice. That's biblical advice. In fact, this is one of the first Bible verses that my wife Jane and I taught our children because we knew we needed supernatural help. And so we leaned right in to this passage and tried to teach this to our kids early on. And I highly recommend parents to teach this Bible verse to your children. And we're going to come back to these first few verses a little bit later in our message, but let's keep reading as this passage next addresses parents, specifically fathers. In verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's interesting to me that over and over again in Scripture, God specifically charges the dads to take spiritual leadership within the family. And this is a striking contrast with what we see play out so often in our world. So often we see in families, dad is sometimes missing in action, or at least in the arena of spiritual development, he has completely relinquished the spiritual leadership responsibilities to the mom. Guys, I want to talk to you today. You have a very important God-given role in the life of your children. And I want to urge the men that are in the crowd today to not drop the ball by simply letting mom take on the responsibility of raising the kids and especially in this arena of spiritual leadership. In a recent article by Focus on the Family, the author quoted the the recent work of a child psychiatrist named Kyle Pruitt. Pruitt wrote in his book entitled Father Need, I like that, Father Need, that positive father care is associated with more pro-social and positive moral behavior in both boys and girls. This is borne out by research from recently from the University of Pennsylvania, which indicates that children who feel a closeness and warmth with their father are twice as likely to enter college, 75% less likely to have a child in their teen years, 80% less likely to be incarcerated, and half as likely to show various signs of depression. You see, dads have an important role. 
The same article included another 26-year-long study in which researchers found that the number one factor in developing empathy in children was father involvement. The number one factor in developing empathy in children was father involvement. Fathers spending regular time alone with their children translated into children who became compassionate adults. And boy, if there's anything we've learned the past 18 months, we need more compassionate adults, right? So dads, you play a very, very important role. Another extensive study, I know I'm throwing a lot at you today, but I want you to know that this is what the research shows. Another extensive study in Europe a number of years ago, and by the way, it's interesting if you study trends, if you study the trends of church involvement, church attendance, what takes place in Europe typically happens in America, North America, you know, a few years later. So this was an extensive study done in Europe, and this is what researchers found. If both parents, both father and mother, attend church regularly, 33% of their children will end up regular churchgoers. Now, on one hand, that's kind of sad to me, okay? But only a third. That means that, that, that we have a real responsibility to to really give intentional effort to this area of spiritual development, intentional effort to to training our kids and not just relying on that one hour a week in, in, in Sunday class for our kids, but to recognize that this spiritual training is a seven-day, 24-hour-a-day uh, uh, responsibility. But they found that if both mother and father attended church regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers. If the father is irregular in his attendance or non-practicing as a believer, and the mother attends church regularly, what do you think the percentage of kids end up later when they grow up going to church? This was shocking to me. Only 2 to 3%. Did somebody say 2%? That's what it is, 2 to 3%. Do you see the drop when dad's not in the picture? Now, what happens? Now, this was the part that really shocked me. What happens if fathers regularly attend church, but mom is irregular or is not involved at all in church? Extraordinarily, what, what just blew my mind, the percentage of children who will later become regular participants themselves goes up to 38 to 44 percent. It's even larger than if mom and dad go together. Now, I'm not saying that to say moms drop off, okay? If next week it's all guys in the crowd, I'll know that, okay, you missed my point, okay? That's not the point. But it shows that the influence of dad is huge in the life of children as they grow up. When they see dad worshiping God, when they see dad putting God first, it makes a significant, profound impact. Dads don't drop the ball. Now, is there any surprise that the Lord gives specific instructions to fathers? Is there any surprise there? God 
knows us. He created us. He knows how we're wired, and He knows that kids need dads involved. And so in Scripture, over and over again, we see the emphasis for dads to take the lead in the spiritual training and instruction of children. Let's revisit the text in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Guys, it's your God-given responsibility. We also see that there are specific instructions for dads. Dads are not to exasperate their children. The word exasperate means to irritate and frustrate someone intensely. The word exasperate is also translated to provoke your children to anger. Through the years, unfortunately, I've counseled many men and women who have issues in their life and who will share with me that they struggled growing up with their relationship with their dad. Oftentimes, these profound issues in relationships with dad can even be called daddy issues, okay? And this was something that I was painfully aware of when I was raising my kids. As I didn't want them to later have issues in life based on their relationship with me. And yet, with all that said, I'm a flawed individual. And my kids undoubtedly have faced challenges in life because of their imperfect dad. And then you add to the mix that my kids were all PKs. And by that, I don't mean Purdue kids, okay, although I tried my hardest. You know, it was interesting. I really tried to shield my kids from this, and, and I thought I did a pretty good job. And, and when my kids were still pretty young, I think my oldest was about seven or eight, one of my sisters said to her, do you know what a PK is, Anna? And she said, oh, yeah, I know what that means. And I went, oh. They were feeling the fact. And honestly, I've had to acknowledge to my kids through the years some of the unique pressures that they face due to the role that I serve. And I've also apologized to them for some of the frustrations I've caused to them because of my weaknesses, my flaws, and my imperfections. Dads, how about you? Is there anything you need to acknowledge in your interaction with your kids that you need to acknowledge this has caused a problem? Is there anything that you need to apologize for? Some of us grew up with dads that would never apologize. I resolved that when I had kids, I wasn't going to be one of those dads. How about you? It seems that parents, and especially dads, can fall into one of four approaches when it comes to parenting. In a recent article citing the work of Stanford researchers, the researchers identified four styles of parenting. And I'm just curious, as you look at that chart, which one describes your style of parenting or maybe the style of parenting that you grew up with? There's some that are neglectful. This is the uninvolved or absent parent who's become indifferent to the child's needs. This is a trap that someone can fall into easily when, when they're dealing with their own stuff, whether it be anxiety, depression, or some addiction that they're battling, and they end up providing very little guidance in the life of their children. Dads, if you are moms, 
And be you too. Have you neglected your kids because of your own stuff? If so, then I want to encourage you to get help with your stuff so you in turn can help them. Second style of parenting is permissive parenting. This was the attitude we saw in the video with the dad that just said, give her the potato chips. I mean, you know, if it'll stop the screaming, just give her the potato chips. This is a child-driven approach that overindulges children to avoid conflict. And I think a question would be good for all the parents in the audience, especially if you've got younger children, to ask yourself, during the pandemic, have you fallen into the trap of being a per- permissive parent just, just to avoid conflict, just to try to lessen the stress? How's, how's that working? Typically, it just adds more stress later. A third style of parenting is the authoritarian down here in the green. A approach with relationship is very parent-driven with a set of strict rules and punishment. This typically leads to a one-way communication. This approach might seem to be working for a while, but oftentimes the approach leads to the relationship with the child breaking down over time and then sometimes being completely absent when they become adults. The fourth style is up there in the blue quadrant is the authoritative approach. The parent solves problems together with the child, sets clear rules and expectations. They're not permissive like the the permissive style. And the relationship is characterized with open communication and natural consequences. Now, which parental approach do you think researchers found was the most effective to raise independent, self-reliant, and socially competent kids. Which one do you think was the most effective? It was the one up here in the blue, the authoritative. Now, as the researchers pointed out, there isn't a one-size-fits-all, and there might be certain seasons that maybe there needs to shift into a different mode, and yet the researchers demonstrated that the children of authoritative parents typically have, those children have less mental health issues, relational difficulties, and substance abuse issues later in life. Now, which style did you grow up in? And if you're a parent, which approach have you taken with your kids? Sometimes it's the same style. Have you ever noticed that? Although I definitely started out with more of an authoritarian parent, I began to see benefits as my kids grew older that I needed to shift to become the authoritative parent. As I really recognized that being too hard or at times even harsh, I have to acknowledge, started breaking down the relationships. And I wanted long-term relationships with my kids, not just when they were young, but as they grew older. And I'm grateful that Jay and I are continuing to grow in our relationships with our kids, even as they are adults. In the Message Bible, the very last verse that we read, verse 4, reads this way, Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the Master. As we seek to get very practical in the remainder of our time together about the importance of parenting, We recognize that parents, and especially dads, are to take 
their children by the hand and lead them to trust and obey Jesus. And although this topic really merits a complete series, and we probably need to do one later this year or next year, we want to practically today give you some practical tools. So we're just going to call the next 10 minutes or so Parent Lab, okay? And we're just going to talk practically of how we can live out these passages to, to train and, and lead our children to trust and love Jesus Christ. The first one of lab is to lead, to lead in love. Now, there are two aspects in this first charge. The first aspect is to take seriously your God-given role to lead. We see this practically spelled out in a Bible verse that's often quoted when it comes to child-rearing in Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. You know, this passage is abundantly clear that parents have a responsibility for the moral and spiritual training of their children. Parents are to intentionally lead their children and seek to influence them. Yet this intentional leadership in the lives of our children must be done with love. A Bible passage that's often read at weddings, and maybe some of you thought I'd read it last week when we talked about marriage, but we're going to read it this week when we talk about parenting because I think it applies here just as much. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13, sometimes called the love chapter. Here's how the Bible defines love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. Others, It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. As an exercise for each of the parents here in the crowd today, I want to ask you today to set aside some time and read this passage out loud. And think about your relationship with your child or children and ask yourself, does this passage describe your heart and attitude toward them? Would they characterize you in this way? And which one of these phrases, when you even substitute your name, now if you really want to be bold, put your name in for the word love. And so when I read this, I want to challenge myself by saying, Roger is patient. Roger is kind. I want to grow in these areas. Now, we could spend the rest of our time making application of each phrase, but I just want to look quickly at two. The first one is love is patience. How are you doing in the area of patience with your children? I've always struggled with patience. And I hate to admit that I struggled often with patience when my children were younger. When our kids were teenagers, and they were going through a rough day or a rough week or a rough month or a rough year or rough junior high. Okay, let me just stop there. Jane, who is much more patient than me, would often whisper over and over again to me, don't react. Don't react, Roger. Just don't react. And sometimes I'd still mess up and react. Now, this is something that I feel like I've grown in over the years as I find myself much more patient with my grandchildren. Here's a recent picture of our kids. I don't think I've lost my patience with our grandkids all year, okay? I think I'm growing in this area. The, the other day, one of our daughters, they're holding, my, my wife's holding her 10-month-old, and 
he's starting to get his will and exert his will and even throw some temper tantrums at times. And, and my wife and I talked about it. We said, isn't that cute? <laughs> he's getting his will. Have you ever noticed that, that parents are more patient? Your parents, if, if you have children, your parents, now that they're grandparents, are much more patient with your children than they ever were with you. Have you ever noticed that? I have a theory. One is they're a little older and hopefully a little bit more mature. Secondly, they don't have to go home with them. And they also have no expectations on them expect, except to love them. It's very freeing. Possibly at times, parents, you have unrealistic expectations and forget that they're simply being kids. Remember, love is patient. The second application of this text is love is not self-seeking. One of the biggest challenges for parents is to truly train up a child in the way which he or she should go and to seek the plan that God has for that child as opposed to trying to get the child to fulfill our self-seeking dreams for their lives. Now, I'm not saying that we can't dream for our kids, but possibly your dream is not their dream. Nor is it necessarily the dream that God has designed them to fulfill. Let's make sure that we don't superimpose our interests, our dreams, and our ambitions upon our children. We need to make sure that we aren't living out our dreams in our kids' lives, but instead helping them cultivate their own goals and dreams. The A of Parent Lab is address the attitudes. Of course, for some of us, we might need to have a mid-course attitude adjustment in our own hearts toward one of our kids or our kids. And we might need to spend more time in 1 Corinthians 13 honestly assessing, are we maintaining a loving relationship toward our children? But back to our first passage, we see embedded in this teaching is the charge for parents to instill in their children an attitude of honor toward those who are called to provide leadership in their lives. When children were taught, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, here's the truth of this passage. When we teach children to have an attitude of respect and honor to those who are in authority in their lives, whether it be a teacher, a coach, a principal, a boss, a police officer, when we teach children to honor and respect others, it will go well with them. Their life will go better. And we're setting them up for better relationships. I know that there are times as a parent that we're tempted and even possibly need in the moment to simply say, because I told you so, okay? But it's much better when we're trying to impress things upon our kids, that we appeal to the attitudes of respect and kindness and love and honor and give them the reason to adjust their own attitudes. And it begins with describing what their attitude should be toward God. Proverbs 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. You see, addressing the attitude of the mind and hearts of the children even including them having a healthy fear toward God, a healthy fear and respect toward 
toward those in authority, and a healthy appreciation for correction. The Proverbs also say, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I love the Proverbs. I love the Proverbs. They're so blunt. If I had it to do over again, I would have spent a lot more time reading Proverbs with my kids when they were growing up. Instead of reading David and Goliath for the 12th time, I think I would have spent more time in the Proverbs adjusting and addressing the attitude of their hearts and minds. Children, I want to, I mean, parents, I want to encourage you to talk with your children about the wisdom in Proverbs. Finally, we want to visit the B as we're out of time, the, the B of Parent Lab, which is recognizing the behavior of believing parents will make the difference. As, as much as we want to tell ourselves as parents that it's our sense of humor, our amazing explanation of simple truths, our wisdom one-liners that's going to have a lasting impact on our, our children, the truth is that long after they forget our corny dad jokes, our profound wisdom or our nuggets of truth, they're going to remember our behavior. They're going to remember our example. The question is not whether we talk the talk. The question is, the lasting result will be, did we walk the walk? Proverbs 20, verse 7 says, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are the children who follow them. Are you walking the walk, parents? Are you walking with integrity so they see it in your life? As I look back on the amazing Christian example that my mom and dad set for myself and my two sisters. You know, there, there were a lot of lessons that I remember them reading to me, stern talks that they gave to me when I got out of line, and that happened more than once. But what I remember and what is seared in my brain is the Christian behavior that I saw in their lives. One of the most shining examples that, that I remember, as if it was yesterday, and I think it happened when I was eight to 10 years old, somewhere in that time frame. My parents were devoted followers of Jesus, and they were committed to the local church. I grew up in a church that we had services on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, and if the doors were open, my parents were there. And I'll never forget on one Wednesday night, and the church that I grew up in was out in the country, and it was up on the top of a hill, and it was a big hill. Think Bunnell Hill, okay, for those of you locally. And, and it was a big hill that we had to go up to to go to church. And on one particular Wednesday night, in the middle of a snowstorm, my parents put us three kids in the car and we drove up that snowy hill and we got to the top of the hill and there wasn't a car in the parking lot. And I'll remember my parents, they, they chuckled. They said, well, I guess, I guess church was canceled and we didn't get the word. You know, that was before texts and emails and I think there was a phone tree. Some of you remember that, but somehow my parents didn't get word. And you know, the amazing thing is they drove us kids home. They never complained. They never whined. They never criticized the leaders of the church. That's the example that sticks in my heart, in my memory. I saw my parents were legit. 
They were genuine. One of my biggest concerns about after the pandemic is how many people will drop out of their commitment to Christ and the local church. As one writer recently remarked, parents that treat the church as optional shouldn't be surprised when they, their children treat Jesus as unnecessary. If you want your children to grow up and understand how necessary and how much they need a relationship with Jesus Christ, then, then make sure that you're showing it by your life. And I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir here today. You're here. But if you're watching online, I want to urge you to show and model to your kids your commitment to the local church and living out your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, there's more I wanted to share with you on parenting. But I want to leave you with this thought. You and I will never be perfect parents. But we're called to be faithful parents. Persevering in our love for God and for others and especially our children. And when we fall short, and we all do, remember what the Apostle Paul told a young church leader, Timothy, when he said, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the, before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Every week, regardless of what we talk about, whether it's marriage or parenting or whatever we might talk about as a church, we want to make sure we always come back to the grace of God that is there to forgive us and to make up the differences of our shortcomings. One of the reasons why we as a church take communion every week is because we never want to forget the grace of God that's been extended to us in Jesus Christ. And what did that grace cost? It cost, it's free to us, but it cost Jesus his life on the cross. I'm so grateful that he came back from the dead. And yet, in communion, we're reminded of the love and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so today, as you do some evaluation on your parenting, your attitude toward children, toward your attitude toward your parents, let's make sure that we look to God for the grace that we need, the forgiveness that we need for our shortcomings, and to realize that forgiveness is possible because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you are a perfect Father. And Father, in your perfect love, you sent your Son, Jesus, to this earth. Thank you for that love. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die for us on the cross. Help us to remember that love and that sacrifice as we as we take the bread and as we take the cup. And help us evaluate our lives and our response to your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Let's allow this time of remembering Father's love and His grace toward us just motivate us throughout this coming week. If you have any response to the message today, any spiritual decision you might be ready to make, any prayer request, any need you might have, we'd love for you to to download our app or go to our app and click on Sunday Feedback. I would love to get that from you. Also, we want to let you know, coming up following uh, Labor Day, we're going to start a brand new series. In fact, we're going to launch our fall small groups, and we're going to study together the importance of having a dangerous prayers, having that prayer life that's bold and courageous. And we'll be passing out books and to small group leaders the next couple weeks, and we want to encourage you to mark your calendars for the week of September 12th as we start that new fall series. But tonight, as was mentioned at the very beginning, for those of you who have children, 4th through 12th grade, there's going to be a special family worship night back here at the building. We hope you'll come. There's no better way to start the new year than to worship together. Dads, maybe you need to take the lead on that. Think about that as we stand and sing one final song together.